Welcome to the Rocky Valley Podcast. This is Pastor Jason Moe. We're glad you stopped in to have a listen, and we hope that this blesses you in some way. Happy New Year! Woo! (laughs) Yeah, that, that didn't go as planned. Apparently there's a turkey loose in the sanctuary. All right, it's enough. No more happiness. It's time to get started. We've sung, we've laughed. Now I'm going to scream at you for 30 minutes. We're going to go home. Acts chapter 2, verses 46 and 47. When you hear Acts chapter 2, immediately you should become envious. Why should you become envious? Because in Acts chapter 2, the church was more dynamic than any other period of history. In all of the annals of church history, all of the books... All of the churches you read about, all of the big churches, all of the revivals, all the reformations, all of the awakenings, all of the great times in the church, nothing compares to Acts chapter 2. There's even stirs about being an Acts 2 church. There was a huge drive a few years ago that was was started up where people were were making this big deal out of, of being an Acts 2 church. And there should be, to be quite To be quite honest with you, to be quite frank with you, there should be a stir to be an Acts 2 church. I mean, the Holy Spirit descended upon the church in Acts chapter 2. Peter preached the day of Pentecost. We sang a song about the power of Pentecost this morning. Thousands of years later, and we're still singing songs about that Pentecostal power that came down that day. Thousands were saved. The bride of Christ glorified him in such a mighty way that there was no doubt the power of God was upon the people of God. And some would say, well, preacher, the reason that happened and the reason it hasn't happened since is because there's, there's not been another dynamic preacher the likes of Peter. There's not been another preacher that could preach the way Peter preached. And that's why it hasn't happened again. But I say, well, Peter was pretty awesome. I'll give him his due. But let's be clear, he had plenty of faults. He was so stuck on his Jewish culture and on his legalist tradition that Paul would surpass him as, as the greatest missionary. So Peter wasn't even the best evangelist or the best missionary. He certainly wasn't the best pastor. He wasn't even named as pastor of the church in Jerusalem where he preached this very sermon. He wasn't even really the first pastor of that church. That title would go to Brother James. He wasn't even revered as the greatest pastor in the Bible. That title would most likely be given to Brother Timothy as he stayed and and, and sat under the teachings of Paul. And so we can't say that it was the dynamic preaching of Peter that caused what happened in Acts chapter 2 to happen. 
And you say, well, preacher, the Holy Spirit had just descended. You just said it. The Holy Spirit had just descended. And because of that, well, there were just, there were just more lost people around. And so there was more opportunity for evangelism because there were just more people that were lost. But statistically speaking, there were more people in that time that had seen Jesus physically and heard of Jesus as he walked physically and saw Jesus as he walked the earth. So more people had already been exposed to Jesus in that time than what we have exposed to Jesus in this very county today. Statistically speaking, we have more lost people in this county than what were there in, the, in, the, in that time of Jesus that had not been exposed to Jesus. So we can't use that excuse that there just aren't as many lost people as there used to be because quite frankly... There are more. And so that excuse doesn't work. So instead of looking for reasons why we can't be an Acts 2 church, why don't we start this new year off examining the Acts 2 church and see if there are things that we can borrow from them that we might get a taste of the glory of the Holy Ghost. That we might get just a, a glimpse of what it means to be a church that honors God the way that the Acts 2 church honored God. I mean, all things considered, we still preach about the same Jesus. We still fall under the conviction of the same Holy Ghost. We still use the same teachings, the Apostles' doctrine. And so why can't we expect some of the same results? Let's all stand this morning as we read aloud from Acts chapter 2. Verses 46 and 47. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Let us pray. Father God, Lord, God, we stand before you humble that we have this opportunity. God, we stand before you incapable of even praising your name apart from your power, God. So God, we stand before you and we ask that you would do what only you could do and that is empower us with your Holy Spirit this very moment that you would dwell among your people, that you would sit down over the next 20 or 30 minutes, Lord God, and change our lives, Lord. Send that old-time power, Lord, that we would never be the same. And all God's people said, you may be seated. And as we dive in this morning, I want us to look at, at, at a big statement. We're going to take a big chunk in verse 46. We're going to look at it. And, and I want to break it down a little bit because I, I like to do that. It, it helps me to focus uh, on the big picture when I, when I break the big picture down into little bitty chunks. So let's take verse 46 and, and let's look at that statement kind of in more layman's terms. So in one accord, it says continuing daily with one accord. In one accord, that, that phrase literally means with one mind. 
So what that means when it says we continued in one accord, that would literally mean we continued with the same mindset. We all had the agreement. We were all pulling in the same direction. So in one accord, the breaking of bread, that breaking of bread refers not just to a physical loaf of bread, but every time it's used in Scripture, it's referring to the sustenance of God. So in one mind, depending on God for all things, and they ate their food, literally the spiritual food, not, not the physical food, not the steak and potatoes that make you not hungry anymore, but that, that bread of life that makes you no longer hunger forevermore, that spiritual manna that we get to feast upon. And so literally it's talking about the food of life that comes from Jesus. We get that food today from the Word of God. That's where we get to, to feast upon the Word of God. That's where we get to feast upon Jesus Christ is when we open His Bible and we turn the pages and we eat that spiritual manna that He gives us in the book from Genesis through Revelation. Every word comes from God and every word is good for us and every word was written for us that we might be edified and that we might be strengthened and that we might be grown and so when you read it most accurately when you break it down it would say every day they acted in one mind sharing in the sustenance of God digging into the word of God and it made them happy to do these simple things let, let me read that again for you every day they acted in one mind sharing the sustenance of God digging into the word of God to grow and they were happy in doing that simple thing. And what happened when they did those simple things? What's verse 47 say the Lord did? He added to the church daily. Not yearly, not monthly, not on the quarterly report. Every single day. The Lord added to the church. Why did he add to the church? Because they were happy in doing those simple things. They were perfectly satisfied dining together on the word of God. Coming together to eat the spiritual loaf that God had given them. So there you have it. There's our vision for 2017 and beyond. We'll just learn to come together and focus on Christ, depend solely on God for all things, take pleasure with digging into the Word for our spiritual food, and it will be dynamic like Acts 2. Congratulations, you may now go home. Just kidding. Simple plan though, right? Very easy plan to follow. Very simple plan. Very simple direction. Say, so, preacher, we can't even agree on what time we should have assembly in most of the churches in America today. If we can't even agree what time we should have our assembly, then then how in the world can we get in one mind? What do you mean in one mind? We, didn't, we couldn't agree what color the carpet should be. We couldn't decide when we should, what time we should have the Christmas Eve service. We shouldn't decide who should sing the song. We can't even figure out how many times a year we should have communion. We get, wait a minute. I didn't see any of those things in Acts 2.46. None of them. So what that tells me is if we're going to get in one accord, we're going to have to learn that there's a lot of things that we've spent a lot of time worrying about that quite frankly just don't mean nothing. Should we keep doing them? Sure. Are they holy things? Sure. Does it mean we have to stop them? No. But what it means is we cannot allow those things to become so important 
that we miss out on the most important thing and that is dining on the word of God with a group of people that want to dine on the word of God together. It means there's nothing more important that we do at Rocky Valley Baptist Church. At this church, when we gather together, there is nothing more important than feasting upon the Word of God. Why? Because only the Word of God was written for reproof that your life may be more like Jesus. Nothing that I do, nothing the deacons do, nothing your Sunday school teacher does is more important than the Word of God. No tradition of man, no scheme of man, nothing that goes wrong. Nobody that made you mad, nobody that made you glad has anything in comparison with the Word of God as to what's important to what happens in this church. And in Acts 2, they understood that they could care less where they met, when they met, how they met. You know how I know that? Because they met all the time everywhere so it didn't matter to them they met in Peter's house Paul's house Mary's house John's house wherever they were they had church because they understood that church was not about all the things we make it about today that church was about God and nothing else and until we get back to that point we're going to spend a lot of time going around in circles wishing we could get back to that point wouldn't you like to get there church wouldn't you like to be walking in that direction instead of walking away from that direction? So look it back with me. And let's see where they really started getting going. Verse 38 says, Peter said to them, Repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive what? The gift of who? The Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. So, so it really started. You, you can boil it down to Acts 2 church got crazy cool and dynamic when they learned to depend on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They learned to lean on the Holy Spirit for all the things. You notice that the soul saved and the adding daily and all of those things were a result of them getting in tune with the Holy Spirit, of them learning to depend on God and receiving the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They allowed themselves to be led. Now keep in mind, these are disciples that walked with Jesus. They were there with him. They've just seen him ascend into heaven. The angel came down to him and said, Why do you stand here gazing into heaven? I've already given you your orders. It's what you are to do. You are to go ye therefore into all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, making disciples of all men in all places. You've got your marching orders. You've been told what to do and you stand here gazing. But these dudes, if anybody had a direct relationship with Jesus, it was the dudes that walked with him. And these are the people that are here at this church in Acts chapter 2. And so they're sitting there and they've had Jesus in person. And yet when the Holy Spirit comes upon them, they say, now we realize there's something sweet that we can taste the savor of. We understand what Jesus said when he said, when I leave you, I will send a helper to you. We feel that power. We sense that power. And we know that it's of God. We know that because we walked with God. And now we know that because we commune with God through his Holy Spirit. Verse 39 tells us a little story, though. The promise is to you and to your children. Let's think a little bit historically about who we're talking about. We're talking about the Israelites here, basically. You remember the Israelites back in the Old Testament, don't you? 
Surely we can't forget them, God's chosen people. He made a promise to them then, didn't he? Didn't God make promise to the, to the remember Genesis 17, 8? Abraham is in Canaan land, but he's not welcome in Canaan land yet. And God says to Abraham, he says, this land will belong to your descendants. One day you won't be here as a prisoner, but you'll be here as the owner. Your family will set up roots right here in the promised land. That's a promise of God. That's why it's called the promised land, is because it was a promise of God that they would inherit that land. And as they sat in bondage in Egypt, I imagine that they thought very little about the reality that the promised land was coming. But suddenly, a leader shows up by the name of Moses. You remember the story? Set my people free. Firstborn children die. And the Israelites waltz out of Egypt. They come to the Red Sea. God parts the water. And across they walk upon dry land. The waters rush in, destroying the army behind them. And here set those people just a few days' journey from the promised land. It's right there. Right there. But Numbers 13 tells us of another promise. In Numbers 13, we see that Moses sends spies to the promised land. Ten came back with reports of how hard it would be to get there. Two came back, Joshua and Caleb, with reports of faith. Joshua and Caleb said, come on guys, God has promised us this land. And surely, if God has promised us to us, Promised it to us. I don't know, you know what I said. If God has promised it to us, then surely to goodness he will deliver it to us. But 10 said, we'd be better off if we just went back to Egypt and died. Because there are giants in that land. There are giants that stand in the way of the promised land. We can't we just can't take them. We just can't take them. We'd have been better off to have stayed in Egypt than to try to fight these Amalekites, these giants that, that hold this land between here and there. We can't get there from here. We're going to have to go around. God made them another promise in Numbers 14, 23. He said, you will not, this perverse generation will not see the promised land, but your children will except for Joshua and Caleb, who have responded in faith. None of you will see the promised land. That included Brother Moses, might I add. He died in a mountain, looking out. Such a strong life Moses lived. And yet his lack of faith in God to deliver the people through the giants caused him to die outside of the promised land. Folks, we see that there's an opportunity for the promised land. It was there in Numbers, and it's there in Acts chapter 2. And the difference between the claim on the promised land was simply that the people in Acts chapter 2 heeded the call of the Holy Spirit. They were sensitive to the call of the Holy Spirit, and they responded in obedience. The Spirit said, 
preach the simple message, repent and be baptized. There were giants in Acts chapter 2. You don't think there were giants in Acts chapter 2? Jesus Christ had just been killed. He'd just been crucified. You think preaching Jesus was a popular message to preach? There were giants to face in Acts chapter 2. That was a Roman government that hated Christianity. There were giants to face in Acts chapter 2. There were descendants of Ishmael who were out to destroy the descendants of Isaac as they have been throughout history. There were giants in Acts chapter 2, but the difference between the Israelites in Numbers chapter 14 and the Israelites and Christians in Acts chapter 2 is in Acts chapter 2 they said, I don't care about the giants. What I care about is the God that will crush the giants. And in Numbers they said, those giants look awfully big. I don't know that God can handle them. In Acts chapter 2, the church grew daily. In Numbers 14, they wandered 40 more years in the wilderness until a whole generation passed away within a few days' journey of the promised land. And if we are to be an Acts 2 church, then we will have to heed the call of the Holy Spirit first. That will have to be the primary, most important part of any of our lives is that we would heed the call of the Holy Spirit. Because if we refuse, if we refuse to walk in obedience and in faith and heed the call of the Holy Spirit, then we will wander around in the wilderness, a few days' journey from the promised land, surviving on the manna, that God provided, but never tasting the land of milk and honey that is the promised land. That is the promised land. It's already given to us. It's already ours. It's not something that we have to make up or imagine. Where's the promised land for the church today? In fulfilling the Great Commission. In doing what God called us to do. If we'll get that right, Wait and see what happens. Wait and see how all the other things seem to fall away. Verse 42 starts to give us a little insight into what happens when we heed the Spirit's call. It says, they continued in the apostles' doctrines. Well, let's stop real quick. Real quick. We're going to move past that one. In the apostles' doctrines, we already mentioned it once. Folks, the apostles' doctrines as we have it are right here. This is the apostles' doctrines as we have it. It was the teachings of those that had walked with Jesus. We have the teachings of those that had walked with Jesus right here contained in this Bible. That is our apostles' doctrine. So one thing that a spirit-led church will do is we will stick to the book. We'll stick to the book. We'll depend on the book. We'll live off the book. But let's move past that. Let's look at the next thing it says. Verse 42. And continued in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. Let's stop there for a moment. That word for fellowship there literally means to share in which one has an association and participation. If we are hearing from the Holy Spirit in our lives, it will manifest itself in that this Bible will be our guidebook, but that we will share in one another by association and participation. You know that some of the best times of my life have been spent with my church family. Some of the greatest moments of my life have been spent with my church family. 
and some of the deepest wounds that I have ever endured were at the hands and mouths of my church family. Quite simply. The people that I have had the most joy with, I have also shared the most pain with. At the end of the day, though, it is our duty and our responsibility to not only be members of a church together, not only come and attend once in a while with one another, but to participate in church together. To share with one another in association and participation. So how do we associate? We choose to associate in the same body of believers. How do we participate? We choose to plug in to that body of believers and not stand on the outside looking in, pointing at everything that everybody else is doing, but participating in what we do. There is not a single person, no matter what your age, from the youngest to the eldest, there's not a single person in this sanctuary this morning that cannot participate in the ministries of this church. You say, well, I'm not a teacher. I don't sing. I don't do this. I, I can't get around like I once did. I don't know the answers to the questions. I don't know this. I don't know that. Okay. There are plenty of other ways by which you can participate in the ministries of this church. You can write a card. You can pray. You can look to your left or to your right at the person whose face that you have not seen in a few weeks and pick up the phone and call them and say, I have not seen you in a few weeks. Are you okay? You say, well, that's the preacher's job. Maybe. But unfortunately, I'm going to let you guys in on a little secret. I mess up a lot. Sometimes I don't notice a face that hasn't been here until it's been too long for me to have noticed. And I, I apologize for that. I am sorry for that. I'll continue to improve at that. I promise. Nobody will work harder than I will. But the simple fact is, look to your left and to your right. If they're not here, call them and ask them where they're at. That's participating in the ministry of this church. And there is not a single person in here that's not capable of doing that. So, well, I'm, I'm mad at somebody at the church. So I'm not going to go be part of that thing that the church is doing. Well, maybe it's time that you talk to that person. Maybe you should let them know you're mad at them because maybe they don't even know. Maybe you should tell them they've hurt you. Say, well, it may be silly that I'm hurt. If you're hurt, you're hurt. Maybe they need to know that they've hurt you. Maybe they don't have any idea. Maybe they do, and maybe they feel really bad about it. Maybe you should forgive them. Maybe you've done something to them, and you didn't even know it. And by talking to them, you'll find out it goes both ways. But if you don't talk about it, you know what happens? You just stand on other sides of the sanctuary mad at each other until that wound festers and until you tell somebody else. Can I just tell you what? If I tell Danny that I'm mad at Eric and I don't tell Eric that I'm mad at Eric, I just participated in gossip with Danny. Sorry. If I'm talking about you instead of to you, I just gossiped about you. 
Now, if I'm saying good things, it was good gossip. But most of the time, I'm saying bad things, right? Because if I'm going to say good things, I usually won't say them to you. But if I'm going to say bad things, I'm going to say them around you, right? Because I don't really want to tell you to your face. That breaks the fellowship. Hard to share by association and participation if we can't participate together in interpersonal relationships. It's not hard. There is not a person in this room, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart. I know most of you pretty well over this year. There is not a person in this room that intentionally hates anybody else in this room. And yet sometimes we think of each other like we want to hurt each other. I can't believe he did that to me. He must hate me. I doubt it. Chances are he loves you. Chances are he messed up. Chances are you hurt him. Chances are if you talk, you'll get past it. I don't even let my children stay mad at each other without talking to one another. And yet we as grown adults have a hard time working through our situations because why? We refuse to talk. Christ says in our model prayer that we are to forgive those as we are asking for forgiveness. So unless you're blameless and perfect, you owe that person forgiveness. Why? Because you expect Jesus to forgive you. How can you expect Jesus to forgive you if you don't have a forgiving heart yourself? You say, they didn't tell me they were sorry, brother. I don't care. Forgive them anyway. Why? Because souls are at stake. At the end of the day, your feelings are relatively important. But they're not the most important thing at stake here. What's most important is that we come together because there are lost people within earshot of this church that aren't coming in this church. And one of the reasons the Lord is not bringing them in here is because we haven't learned to act like adults yet. Sorry. Every church in our community, from the church that has 30 there this morning to the church that has 6,000 there this morning, every one of them have the same problems, and it's that we're not acting like an Acts 2 church, and that's why there's lost people throughout every community in this nation today. Because if the church would act like the church, we wouldn't have to worry about Christianity losing its voice because the voice would be as mighty as it was in Acts chapter 2. How do I know that? Because the same God is still the head of the same church. It hasn't changed a single bit, thousands of years. And so part of being a member of church is attending the things that the church does. So I, I, don't like to, I don't like to come to that kind of function. When's the last time you tried it? Give it a shot. Worst thing that happened, you still don't like it. We'll find something you do like. How about that? And even though it might not be my cup of tea, I'll come to that. You know why? Because I love you enough that I want to take interest in the things that you do. Do you know that sometimes I go shopping with my wife, though quite frankly shopping would be the last thing in the world that I would ever do. I do it just because I know she likes it and I want to be part of her life. Crazy, isn't it? Husbands, I'm going to say you do that. Wives, most of you have been to a ball game or a tractor pull or a demolition derby or a fairground or something that you didn't really want to go to. Simply because you wanted to be part of your husband's life. And so that's the way we should be. We're a family. I want to do things with you because I love you. 
Not because I enjoy what you're doing. Now, I'm not one of those preachers that's standing up here saying, you got to be here every time the doors are open or you're not a good member of the church. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that you should be plugged into this fellowship enough that you are sharing in the fellowship of this church. If you can't be here, you should at least know in some capacity to pray for what's going on. You should at least be plugged in enough that you're part of what's going on, that you're connected with what's going on. And if you're not, let's just stop there because I realize there are people here this morning saying, brother, I don't feel connected. My office is never closed. I don't take a day off through the week. I don't. I take an hour a day to take my kids to school. I drive back and I'm here. And if the only time you got to meet with me is during that time, my mama will take my kids to school. My wife will go into work late. We are very blessed with a situation that I don't take a single day off and I don't have a time that's unavailable. So if you're not plugged in and you don't feel like you can plug in, let's talk about it because I promise you there is a place where you can plug in. If the problem is with somebody, there's a person that we can talk to. And if the problem is that you just don't know what to do, I promise you I can help direct you to something to do. And if we don't have something to do that fits your particular skill set, we'll make something. Because every person should have an opportunity to serve God in some capacity. And every person is capable. Why am I standing here this morning saying these things? Why am I so taken by this? Because church, I'm going to be honest with you. The way I got it pegged out, we got two options. At the end of the day, boil it down to the low gravy. I'm not a very smart person, so I have to make it simple. We got two choices here. We can wander in the wilderness. And we can dream about the promised land. Or we can get serious about being in one accord about being a Jesus-glorifying, God-preaching, repent and be baptized, get saved, serve the community, serve one another, love one another, Acts 2, dynamic church. The lights can't even handle it, people. That's our choices. We can get together or we can die apart. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I am not happy thinking that my children will taste the promised land. I want to get there and I want to make sure it's all right for them. I want to be part of a church that circles around and goes in. I want to be part of the church that blows the walls of Jericho down and says, here we go, God use us. I don't want to be happy anymore with being second class. I don't want to be happy anymore looking at the success of other people. But what I do know is we're not going to do it because this preacher is so dynamic as a leader. We're not going to do it because our deacon body is so great. We're not even going to do it because we're so pretty. I promise you that. But we will do it if we're led by the Holy Spirit. And if we're led by the Holy Spirit, we'll get on the same page. Does that mean we're going to agree with everything? Of course not. Absolutely not. I can't even agree with myself most of the time. But what I can do is I can put my opinion on the back burner to serve God. I can make him the focus. And if he's the focus, then we can all agree on that. 
So quickly, we're going to look at one more thing as we close. Whew. Very quickly. We'll revisit these verses another day. When we're led by the Holy Spirit, we'll, we'll continue in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. The breaking of bread, we'll come back to that one. But I want, I want us to spend a little time on this last one. And in prayers. And in prayers. You say, well, I pray, preacher. I have that one down. Good. But did you know that the average Christian reportedly spends less than three minutes a day in prayer? And that the average pastor admits to spending less than five minutes a day in prayer? We give God an average of 21 minutes a week in prayer and we wonder why our spiritual lives are so anemic. Leadership in the church spends on average less than 35 minutes a week in prayer and we wonder why the church lacks vision. Now, I don't want a show of hands. I don't want any of that. But can I just say that wherever you are in your prayer life, it can get better. And if you're in that rare group of people that, that is in constant prayer, then keep it up because the rest of us need you. We need you bad. Acts 12, 12, this same church. You don't have to turn there. <clears throat> this same church that's, that's here together being added to daily. The same church in Acts chapter 12. The people are gathered. They're praying for Peter in Mary's house. James, the head of their church, has been killed by Herod. Peter has been arrested. He's fixing to die. He sits in a jail cell. And the church prays steadfastly. It says in verse 5 that they pray steadfastly. It says in verse 12 they're still praying. It's the wee hours of the night. They're not at the church house anymore. They're over in uh, Mary's house. They're still praying. Let me tell you what happens when the church prays, though, like that. When the church prays like that, Peter's sitting in a jail cell, and suddenly an angel walks him right out the doors. Walks him right out the doors. He knocks on the door of Mary's house. The little girl opens the door and says, oh my goodness, we must have been praying too hard. I think I see Peter. She closes the door. She opens it again. She said, we've been praying really hard. I do see Peter. Peter says, I, I'm here. Why am I here? Because you prayed. Folks, we don't realize the power that we possess through our prayer life. We have the power to talk to the Holy Spirit that is able to shake the chains of a prison loose and set Peter free and walk him right out the prison. And we spend less than 20 minutes a week talking to that God who has that power. Scripture tells us the fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. You know the beauty of prayer is that everybody can pray. There's not one person that can't. You don't even have to say the right words. Just talk to God. Spend a little time with your buddy. You don't have to, you don't have to do this to pray. I like to. My mama used to smack me on the back of the head if I didn't. So I'm always afraid she's looking. You don't have to. You can talk to him driving down the road. Don't close your eyes if you're praying while you're driving, okay? A lot of you look like you do a lot of praying while you're driving. I've seen you. Because you know what happens when you pray? 
suddenly that problem you had with somebody in the church, not such a big deal anymore. Maybe that problem was with the preacher. Please pray for him. But if we would take time to go to God in prayer when we're upset with our brother or sister, you'd just be surprised at how our anger and our resentment would start to melt away and we could get back into that fellowship that we talked about just a minute ago. Is it easy to pray? No. No, really it isn't. Simple. It's not easy because it takes discipline. But it is necessary if we're going to see God work in the way that he can. It is necessary. Not an option. It's a requirement. So I want to ask you to consider doing something with me this week. Just this week. Can everybody do something for me this week? Raise your hand if you're capable. The ones of you that aren't, I want you to search your soul. I want you to pray for 10 minutes a day. 10 minutes a day. Say, I don't have 10 minutes. Yes, you do. I want you to pray for 10 minutes a day for someone or some ministry of this church. Not for yourself, not for your family, not for your spelling test, not for your biology test. Pray for someone in this church or some ministry of this church. Maybe it's the bus ministry, maybe it's the hearts for hunger, maybe it's the food closet, maybe it's youth, maybe it's music, maybe it's your pastor, maybe it's your deacon, whatever it may be. Maybe it's all of them. Make you a list. But I want you to take 10 minutes. I want you to get somewhere where you can get 10 minutes with you and God, and I want you to talk to God about the ministry of this church. If you don't know what to say, then just say the name of the ministry over and over. You can't peg it out, say Rocky Valley till you're blue in the face. Try it for me. Because let me tell you what's going to happen. You will be amazed at how hard it is the first day you do it to stay there for 10 minutes praying. You'll be surprised. It's a lot harder than you think. But by the end of the week, you'll be surprised at what an important part of your day that that 10 minutes has become and how you look forward to it. You know why? Because in that 10 minutes, you are in communion with your maker. You're talking to God for 10 minutes. Does he already know what you're going to say? Sure he does, but he wants to hear it anyway. It is your opportunity to commune with God 10 minutes a day. That's all I'm asking. Give me 10 minutes a day this week. Don't give it to me. Give it to God. But I'm going to ask for it. 10 minutes a day. And I promise you it will be the sweetest time. If you choose to do it driving, keep your eyes open. So here we are with a new year and the beauty and a chance to go one of two ways. We can either be led by the Spirit or we can choose to look at how hard it is to be obedient to God. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm ready to face the giants that stand between me and the promised land. I'm ready to stare at them and tell them how strong my God is. Is forgiveness easy? No, it's a giant. Is being willing to pray for the ministries of a church easy? No, it's a giant. Is it easy to talk about our fears and our frustrations with somebody at the church? No, it's a giant. 
Is it easy to accept change? No, it's a giant. Is it easy to embrace tradition? No, it's a giant. But folks, in Joshua 6, we see what happens when a group of people face the giants. Because God blew that wall of Jericho down and they walked right over. And I don't know about you guys, but I believe that I still serve that same God today that's still blowing walls down and facing giants for me. So folks, let's slay giants together in 2017 and let's start this morning. If there's something holding you back this morning from being committed to God and being committed to participating in the ministries of this church, won't you lay it at the altar this morning? If you can't lay it at the altar this morning, it needs to be a bigger conversation. Don't leave here until you've scheduled some time. I'll come to your house. You can come to my office. If it ain't me you need to talk to, let's find a place to talk to somebody else. But if we are going to pull together, we're going to have to do it under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to have to be willing to slay a giant or two along the way, as hard as it may seem. Let's pray. Thanks again for joining in. We sincerely hope that this has blessed you in some way. If you have any further questions, feel free to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.rockyvalleybaptist.org. Thank you and have a blessed day.